Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 414 of the JV Club with my wonderful guest, Victoria Aveyard. She is a YA author known for the Red Queen series and the new Realm Breaker series. I had a lovely time chatting with her. I know you'll enjoy this episode, and it might even inspire you to be a part of Max Fun Drive this year by giving us your stories about your experience with this podcast. As you'll hear later in the episode, we're also doing a special JV Club episode that is curated by you, the listener. But this is a little bit different than that. This is a little simpler. We just want you to email memberstories at MaximumFun.org or call and leave a voicemail, your own beautiful mellifluous voice. Thank you for giving me a reason to use that word at 323-601-8719 and just talk about what the show means to you. I don't know. Doesn't that sound fun and wonderful? I'd love to feature it in an episode, possibly even the same episode with all the fan curated uh, clips. So enjoy this episode. Think on that. And I'll talk to you soon. Is it really? So I feel like we're all going to be extra dramatic. It's yes. Tolkien just, Day. Um, How did that even come to just, be? I was just literally filming like a TikTok because it is the day that Frodo cast the ring into Mount Doom. Is March oh. 25th. Because for some reason they use a modern calendar in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I was about but, to say, um, I feel like it should be like six <laughs> moons off to the elf's lair right, or something. Right. Like. Yes. Yeah, so you're like, oh, it's it's this year of the third age, which I get. Yeah. But it's also March. And you're like. Yeah, everybody, everybody knows March. It's fine. Everybody knows and loves the month of March, no matter where, no matter what fictitious <laughs> land you are in, you're good. Uh, wow. Yep. So clearly this is going to be a good, let's talk about our nerdy Oh my tactics. gosh. We're already in great shape. I thank you so much for yep. uh, br- bringing me in on the very, very important day of Tolkien. Um, it makes me wonder how many other days there are that are dedicated to fictitious characters i guess any like important literature fiction mm-hmm. literature that names a date <laughs> basically if it has a yeah. date in it, it yeah it stands i mean a there's the one for mean girls too like october 12th is mean girls oh, day wow okay so probably october the- something something is back to the future day because that's like the day yeah. that marty goes to in the future that we even had yep. a couple of years ago. Like, oh, remember how we all have yeah, fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge deal. Okay, how did you find out that it was Tolkien Day? And do you keep track of any other important days? I was told this. Um, actually, my publisher, HarperCollins, is doing, was basically emailed anyone who was a Tolkien nut, and that's me. And they were like, hey, it's Tolkien Day. Do you want to, like, post anything for us? And I was like, it is Tolkien Day. And I was planning to just like tweet something anyways, but I'll shoot a video. No problem. So I just (laughs) spent the morning assembling my collection of different books within the Tolkien (gasps) universe, (laughs) which is not just, you know, The Hobbit, The Silmarillion, The Lord of the Rings, of which I have multiple copies. I have like a lot of reference books as well. Oh my gosh. My Aunt Marilyn um, taught herself Elvish. I believe, like, she oh was one God. of those who, yeah, her. who just was, it was her whole world when she was a little girl. It was just her whole world. And I, that is so adorable to me. And that makes me feel like she's a little bit of like a, a, a spirit, you know, sort of living in between, mm-hmm. in between magic and reality. And I just absolutely love that. Yeah, people do that with um, Klingon, too. They have college courses, wow. I think. I... I mean, I'm missing out. I can't believe I just took French. How boring. Yeah, that's another level. It's another level. It is another level. It's another level of uh, tomfoolery. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do speak tomfoolery. I'm actually fluent in tom- <laughs> the language of tomfoolery, so that's something. When did you... Were, so were you an early adopter of, of Tolkien? Did that Was that something that got introduced into your world um, when you were little, or was that something you came to a little bit later, like some of us? Um, I was really the right age. I was 11 when, and I'm one of those people who saw the first movie first before I read The Lord of the Rings, and I'm trying not to be ashamed by that. But I was 11 years old when I first saw Fellowship of the Ring. 
um, immediately left the theater, dragged my parents to the closest bookstore, grabbed the paperback, like movie cover, hard copy, and it disintegrated over the next two years because I just kept rereading it. And it sort of became, you know, a huge part of my personality (laughs) and and continues to be. Well, let me say this. I mean, if the if the movie, if that movie in question, exactly as it exists, had been around earlier, many people who started with a book would have also started with a movie if they were 11 years old. You know, yours just your situation timed out where just about the time you would normally be ready to start reading the book, there happened to also be this kind Mm -hmm. of extraordinary beloved movie that came out. So you don't get to you don't get to feel bad about that. (laughs) I was very lucky. And the same kind of happened with I have very fond memories of the um, not just the original Star Wars trilogy, but then uh, the second Star Wars trilogy, because I was nine years old when Phantom Menace came out. So I was kind of of the age where those movies were really made for me. And yeah. I wasn't, you know, disappointed or kind <laughs> of so, upset with them. You clearly had so I, many I, conversations I, with people since. <laughs> who were like, you're like, hold on, before have, we even talk about it, let me put it in context for you. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's and it's one of those things you look back on and you're like, no, I enjoyed that experience. I remember going to the movie theater. I remember being so excited and loving it and having a great time watching the pod racing and you're never going to take that away from me by nitpicking. I, and you can have that. I had a film professor who always used to say, you know, if someone's telling you a movie you liked, they didn't like, and they're trying to tell you why it's a bad movie, you've already won because you got the experience of a good story and you enjoyed it. And they've lost because they didn't get to have that. Oh, so I it's like not that. really worth your time. I have to say that, I mean, not to just get right into theology because we don't have to, but it just does remind me of, <laughs> well, it just re- reminds me of that, just the idea of like, you know, people who believe in, in, in an afterlife are, they win mm-hmm. because they have, yeah. you know, that, that sense of security and that something to look forward to. Um, and if nobody really knows, then isn't it nice to live your life expecting something positive? <laughs> like you're not, Yeah, it's the same with know. any kind of belief system, you know, yeah. this gives you um, structure, or if this gives you comfort, fine. Someone else has a different thing that does the same for them, and they can't take it away from you. Exactly, exactly. And so, where were you as this eleven-year-old who was excitedly, and nine-year-old, <laughs> might I add, uh, who was excitedly heading to the movies to see these these uh, iconic movies? Um, I grew up in Western Massachusetts, which is kind of the middle of nowhere, um, and which has always been very fertile ground for kids who are bored and then eventually <laughs> grow up to become storytellers. Right. Um, but it was definitely something that's always been in my life for a very long time, um, reading movies, television, any kind of storytelling. Um, I was definitely one of those kids who was like, let's go in the backyard and play this story that I've made up in my head. And my friends were like... I have to go home early. <laughs> You're like, you, we will go home when, I, when we're yeah. at the epilogue. We will go yeah, home at right. the epilogue of this story yes, that you were exactly. going to do. And then we're going to have our spinoff moment. That's but right. It, it was That's definitely right. my parents were the huge influence there because they're big movie people. They both love to read. Um, I mean, I first saw Jurassic Park when I was three. And they were like, all right, she's not scared. She's fine. We're going to roll with this. And I very much saw a lot of things way earlier than I should have. But I think in the long run, they did me good. Oh, my God. You really did. Because I I think I, I feel like weirdly, I've said this before on the podcast, which is such a small moment. It's funny that it would come up more than once. But when I saw Jurassic Park, I... Uh, I was so worried about the little child that was sitting mm. right next to me um, because I was definitely older than three. <laughs> it was and- me. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in Tucson when that happened? It was me. I was I fine. Was so I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I got so, I mean, I really was. I was so preoccupied and, you know, but because I was so scared, it was like I'm. I, I basically should have grabbed hold of the child, the littler kid, <laughs> in in terror to make myself feel better. Because it's true that he seemed fine. So that that <laughs> just tells you like how what a softy I am and how easily I get scared. <laughs> Although I love horror <laughs> movies, I love horror movies. So I'm not one of those people that's you know that just sort of is like, oh, that's not for me. That's not for me. Yeah, I think Alien was a bridge too far. Alien, I think I saw when I was about five, and that was a tough that. It never really freaked me out out because when I would, you know, lay, lay awake at night and think, oh, the aliens are coming, my brain would say, no, but E.T., who is also an alien, will protect you from the bad aliens. Oh, my God. It's true. If you can just collect them all, like like yeah. you just have a bunch of, of collector series, then you can, you know, wait. You, the, the good guys will do the work for you. 
Yeah. But oh my I very gosh. much grew up like a George Lucas, Steven Spielberg um, nutbag. And <laughs> <laughs> looking back, seeing, um, you know, what path that kind of led me down is really interesting. If I could tell, you know, that seven-year-old, oh, hey, those directors that you love, you're eventually going to go to the film school that they went to and helped build. I know. Because um, I ended up going to USC. USC, and the yeah. I knew I wanted to go to film school is because I watched the AFI appreciation of George Lucas when I was 15. And there was a huge segment in that um, <gasps> presentation about USC and their film school. And that's when my brain clicked. You know, I love storytelling. I love writing. I love movies. I love television. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. You know, I just kind of thought college was going to be, I'm going to be an English major or a creative writing major. Sure. And that was, no, you can study like storytelling, screenwriting, film specifically. Like this is a possibility. And it was very pie in the sky and then became a reality a couple of years later. I mean, I, yeah, I love weird those. Weird path. No, but I, I love those moments because, you know, those mm-hmm. are the moments where we don't, there's so much I think that happens in life that, you know, and it's funny because it ties, I think, so nicely into the idea of storytelling and the idea of a tight narrative and the idea of the mm. difference between, you know, <laughs> telling a story that has a beginning, middle and end um, because that's been part of you know uh, every culture every human culture for so long and it's so important but it definitely isn't necessarily representative of how uh, most of life can work and Mm -hmm. so when we have those kind of narrative like golden nugget moments where you actually can point to something specific in time a you know place in time and go that was huge for me that Mm -hmm. shaped you know that was one of those moments that really helped shape the rest of my life opposed to the kind of nebulous experience that we also have through most of our lives which is like I mean I can't put my finger on Mm exactly I guess there were like a few years where I was I thought I was into the you know that's not like usually we meander towards things and so I just love I love those moments where you can really point to them and go yeah that was a game changer you know Um, absolutely and they're never things you think were game changers like I did not think that me sitting down to watch this Thing that was on, you know, TNT at 7 p.m. on a Sunday night and right. no one else was probably watching it. My parents were like, what are you doing? <laughs> I never thought that would be the kindling for what became a very large fire. Absolutely. And do you have uh, brothers and sisters? I do. I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. And he ended up studying uh, like video game design. So, of course, when we were both in college for video sure. game design and screenwriting, my parents were <laughs> thinking what did we do wrong <laughs> oh no guess what you had imaginations and you loved mm-hmm. uh showing other worlds to your kids that's not a yeah, bad thing <laughs> exactly exactly and we got lucky in that we had parents who sort of supported those endeavors um, yeah. i definitely would not be here as a published author if my parents weren't supportive of it and in the first hand like told me yes you you know you're gonna have to take out college loans and it's gonna be hard but if you want to go to USC, you can go to USC and we'll do everything we can to help you. Yeah. Um, and then after graduating, when I called them and said, I'm going to write a novel, can I, I have to move home. I don't have a job here. I have a bunch of college loans. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they were like, yes, come home, write a book, which most parents would be like, what? <laughs> You're coming home from college to write a book. This is going to pan out well. <laughs> And I think they kind of had that in their brain of, oh, God, this is not going to go anywhere. And she's going to be in debt for a very long time. <laughs> right. But um, thankfully, they believed in me and I believed in myself. And I got to a place where that didn't have to be my reality anymore. That's so amazing. And I'd love to circle back too, to, to mm-hmm. the idea of uh, of just being from now let me ask you this because I am I think I've given myself away that I'm from Tucson uh and and I have spent time in Massachusetts I don't know that I have necessarily um been to I believe you're from East Longmeadow not that you said it yet but I have to say East Longmeadow by the way could maybe slip into even one of your own books from like the realm (laughs) series or or Mm -hmm. or or a a Lord of the Rings moment like East Longmeadow that's sort of that's vague Mm-hmm. British and uh, yeah. you know it, it could it could be a magical place to be sure um, is that uh, the most time I ever spent in Massachusetts was in Pittsfield do you know where that okay. is yeah 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 is um, that far because it was also a little farther mm-hmm. Pittsfield is one of the cooler parts of western mass it's up in the Berkshires it's very very pretty 
There's some quote mountains. I say quote mountains now because growing up, I thought those were mountains. And Uh now I know that's not correct. Uh (laughs) Um, Living in California. (laughs) But um, yeah, Pittsfield is really lovely. And where I'm from is very much suburbs on the edge of being rural, but like not cute rural, like cornfields and tobacco farms. And and my neighborhood used to be a cornfield kind of. Got, got and we it. definitely lived in a small town where everyone knew everybody. All of our parents, except for well, my mom is from Scotland, so I was like one of the only ones who had pa- a parent from outside the circle. Oh, sure. But most of our parents went to the same schools growing up when they were kids, and they all knew each other. And then we were all the same. You know, you the people you went to kindergarten with, or the people you graduated high school with. Yeah. Um, so basically the identity you had in oh, I, middle school, yeah. elementary school was really who you were all the way through. That's tough, right? I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. that's got to be. Is that something that you have explored through the years in your writing? Is that sort of the idea of, a, of, of the reboots that some of us are have, you know, get the chance to have versus others of us who do sort of have to... Like, because if you just showed up one day, I mean, I I use this example all the time because this was me. But, you know, when I went to when I went from junior high to high school, there were, you know, a handful of people that I that continued on to my high school. But for the most part, there was uh, 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 the potential for a hard reboot. Hence, I discovered being goth. Um, But the idea (laughs) of being from a small town, you know, and you show up you know, with your black lipstick and stuff, I, I would imagine that everyone would go like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, you have to I, um, overcome that. I was never brave enough to be goth. I was definitely one of those, definitely into Pirates of the Caribbean and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and very much, you know, there were shirts in Hot Topic that I would have liked to buy, uh-huh. <laughs> but I was too scared to go in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm very glad that social media did not really exist. Facebook kind of oh, came in at yeah. the tail end of high school. Because there are a lot of videos somewhere of me and my very few friends with Lord of the Rings action figures acting out scenes. Right, um, right. And I'm, I'm hope they never see the light of day, but they are like very much my nerd street cred now. But I never got to have that hard reboot until I went to college. And then suddenly I was in film school and it was like Revenge of the Nerds because we were all dorks coming from oh, high schools it. where we were pretty much, you know, bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Yeah. And suddenly some of these people were given power and it was very strange to see like, ooh, I will I will push the trauma that I had through high school onto someone else now. Right. Um, and it was weird to like see that happening and then kind of remove yourself from it because while film school was great and it was amazing to be around sort of like minded people, it was very much a bubble again and I didn't want to get stuck in another bubble. So I think a lot of my stories really push not reinvention so much as escape. Um, yeah. Breaker, especially the main character, Corrine, is very hell-bent on leaving her small town, even though her mother won't let her. Um, and there is both, you know, that classic teenage yearning to leave and figure out who you are, which we all relate to. But then sure. I kind of blew it up onto this macro level of it's also in her blood and in her lineage that she doesn't really understand that makes her want to travel and makes her want to go. Yeah. And so she always talks about wanting the horizon and not really knowing why. Yeah. And that's something I always felt growing up. Yeah, that's so interesting, too, isn't it? The, that, uh, you know, it's funny because it's sort of like it's 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 sort of self-selecting the 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 podcast guests I have, because by and large, you know, I'm going to end up talking to the realm breakers. Right. I'm going to end up talking mm-hmm. to the people who did leave home and who did um very often, if not always, have that sense of there's something on the outside of this experience that's waiting for mm-hmm. me or that I have to create for myself. Um, and so I almost wish that I could do like... <laughs> If I had a budget and just all the time in the world to sort of do like a like a sub series that's like, no, actually, I'm going to these small towns and I'm talking to people who didn't really feel that and who still are there or who are still in the smallish city that they're from and they've got a great mm. life there. And because, you know, it, it's it's just, it, you know, again, by virtue of what I do, like there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to be talking to somebody who, if they come from a small place, aren't still there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you, do you have, do you keep in touch with friends still uh, who, who stayed yeah, specifically couple- in East Longmeadow? Or? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of friends who stayed in the area. It was kind of um almost like a 30-70 split, I would say, of people mm. who 
left, but for the most part stayed in the Northeast. Very, very few of us went west of the Mississippi River, if not south of the Uh (laughs) Mason-Dixon. But most people are in New England, if not New York, and that's the circle. Yeah. Um, And growing up, that was kind of the understood thing. You know, you are going to go to college, but you're not going to go to college far away. And then Mm. it became, well, I want to go to USC. And suddenly my dad was like, well, okay, NYU will be fine if you get Oh, sure. Which is, and you I know, do remember, fair. Like, that's a fair, fair thing Fair, and also an think, incredible but... school and very much, you know, did yeah. not think I was going to get in. Um, I remember when I was applying to my colleges and USC was on there, NYU was on there. Uh, my parent, my mom kind of sat me down and was like, I don't want you to get your hopes too high and be really crushed because these two schools are, especially the film schools, you know, USC Cinema and Tisch NYU are incredibly selective, like more selective than Ivy League schools. It's not in the cards, really, that you're going to get in. We just hmm. don't think it's going to happen, but we support you in trying. And I was like, cool, thanks. And then I ended <laughs> up at, uh, getting into both and having to choose. And suddenly my dad, who was like, I don't really want you to go to New York, was like, okay, New York. Uh-huh. So you're going to New York? <laughs> <laughs> you called his bluff. I can drive to New York. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And uh, my brain was like, oh, I was about to just put down to give you the, 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 the housing area information about USC. <laughs> right. And and was it was it really did it sort of I mean, I'm guessing that there's that there was additional kind of supplemental stuff that continued to make you excited about USC and that was additive to that initial experience that you yeah, had watching yeah. the George Lucas thing. Right. Right. It was very the George Lucas thing was just very much like, hey, this is actually a reality. And there are places that exist where you can go to study film and to study storytelling. And then I started researching and I applied to uh, Emerson in Boston as well, which has a great uh, Mm -hmm. film and TV program. I I did not get into any school that I did not apply to for film. (laughs) So I kind of I I kind of tricked my parents into allowing me to go to a film school. Uh But yeah, and then um, once I visited USC and I remember when we flew out to California, that was a huge deal. Had never been that, that to that side of the country before. And I remember my dad saying, well, we got to make a real trip out of it because we're not really ever going to be back. And <laughs> you're like, here. OK, says you. <laughs> but it was it was weird, you know, growing up as a kid who would see Los Angeles in movies like Clueless and be like, wow, what a fantasy land. That place <gasps> yeah. looks crazy. Oh, my God. And then suddenly living here is very still very, very strange. I but have the, to, yeah. the visit to USC really cemented it because it wasn't just you were going to film school and getting a film education. It felt like a complete college experience as mm-hmm. well because there's great social life, great football team. Uh, the actual campus is fantastic. You feel like you are in what you imagine college to be. Yes, And when yes. we were touring, <laughs> the guide actually said, so while you guys are here, are you feeling a little bit deja vu? And we were like, yeah, kind of. Like, this feels like college. And she said, that's because they shoot most um, movies and television shows set at any college here. <laughs> so you're already kind of primed in your brain to think this is college. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Max Fun members, what's your favorite JV Club episode? Because I'm making a special JV Club episode that's all about you and what your favorite moments from the podcast are. Okay, so here's what you do. Record a 30-second to one-minute voice memo telling us which JV Club episode or guest really stuck with you and why. And then just send it to producer Julian's email, which is julian at MaximumFun.org. That's J-U-L-I-A-N at MaximumFun.org with the subject line Max Fun JV Club. And yours might be one of the episodes that makes the curated special. In case you missed any of that, you can find all the information in the show notes for this episode. I'm so excited to hear from you and to put together a very special JV Club fan curated sort of variety show episode. So email Julian. I can't wait. Let's do this. Hey, it's John Moe. And look, these are challenging times for our mental and emotional health. I get it. That's why I'm so excited for my new podcast, Depression Mode. We're tackling depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, the kinds of things that are just super common but don't get talked about nearly enough. Conversations that are illuminating, honest, and sometimes pretty funny with folks like Patton Oswalt, Open Mike Eagle, and Kelsey Dara. Now I can kind of go like, oh yeah, there's that thing where I feel like I'm in a video game and my hands aren't real and I'm living the Truman Show. Okay. 
this too shall pass. Plus psychiatrists, psychologists, and all kinds of folks. On Depression Mode, we're working together, learning, helping each other out. We're a team. Join our team. Depression Mode for Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. I've loved watching movies, like just slowly kind of revisiting movies that were shot in L.A. that I only saw Mm -hmm. before I lived here. And Mm -hmm. just kind of like when you put it into context, because it's such a fun way of I'm I'm and maybe I don't this is so dumb and I maybe I've talked about this before, but I, I feel somehow that you of all people will relate to this. But I love kind of tricking my brain back into the place that it was before I could put certain locations of films in context do you know what I mean like (laughs) I love like watching Clueless again or watching you know something that takes place in a very specific part of LA because as you of Mm -hmm. course know like it's so disparate from spot to spot in LA um I love that feeling of like of the newness that I can sort of Mm -hmm. recapture from watching movies like that like if I you know if I'm thinking about it from a critical eye sure I'll be like oh yeah Rodeo Drive been there a million Mm -hmm. times like not my favorite place but if I watch it from the perspective of someone who's not from there who really still thinks of it as like movie land um, Mm -hmm. I have such a positive response to it you know and so it sort of gets me in this like ooh yeah LA's pretty fun you know (laughs) yeah yeah, I definitely, whenever I would come home from college, people say, have you seen any celebrities? And I'd be like, no, it's a it's a major city. And I'm at USC, which is in almost downtown, almost South Central. It's, you're definitely not seeing any celebrities. And then my brain would click and I'd be like, you're lying. You totally saw so-and-so on campus the other day. They were coming in for a class or you saw so-and-so. Yeah. And then I started working on one of the lots and it was like, oh, then you become desensitized very, very quickly. And I would get yeah. to the point where I'd be like, yeah, but I forget. Who? Right, right, uh, right. Whatever. There are other people in the city. Right. What lot strange. did you start working at? I was interning on the Fox lot my last year of college. So one of the things with USC Film is they really emphasize getting an internship in the industry before you graduate. And they kind of will help you arrange your class schedule so that you can be working an internship while nice. you're also taking a full course, course load. And that's very, very helpful. And absolutely one of the reasons I ended up where I did again, because you th- you look back and you wonder where those little turns in the road yeah. were. And one of them was definitely at my Fox internship. And I was there while when um, sort of self-published books were blowing up. Mm. Um, we watched sort of Wool by Hugh Howey and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey were being sold and optioned and bid on like crazy at the time. And our boss was looking for like the next big one to come out of the self-publishing arena. So as an intern, it was kind of my job to go through the lists and see what there was and what was selling really well and read the first 10 pages and highlight things that uh, he might be interested in. And it got me thinking and got my wheels turning in my brain about, well, You've always wanted to write a novel and you never thought you could. And now you've gone through screenwriting. You've written several several feature scripts. You understand storytelling from a structural standpoint. Yeah. Can you do it in a novel? And it's just, you know, a different format. It's not as intimidating as you think it is. And then reading all of these self-published novels and seeing that they were getting interest and selling and reaching people, I was like, oh, wow, maybe I can come back to this. Maybe I can do this. And that got my brain turning on writing a YA novel, which I really enjoyed and kind of knew I would be suited to writing. Yeah. Um, and once I was open to the uh, possibility, that's when the first sort of inkling of Red Queen came to me. It's been an so interesting, <laughs> interesting path just to figure out where those signposts were and where sure. the crossroads I didn't know that existed were and what turns I took. And you look back and you see all the bullets dodged and you are very happy you couldn't see them at the time. Oh, my God. That's very <laughs> well said. That's very well said. Yeah. I mean, I think <clears throat> what I love about your story, too, is is, you know, that it has that you are in a that obviously, you know, you are a creative artist um, and you you did you have always been so. But that, you know, at these key moments, you also had you know, either you surrounded yourself with people who knew kind of what the next best step was, um, you know, because you were inspired by people who had come before you um, or you did it yourself. But that that's such a great combination, right, of having the mm-hmm. imagination and having the ambition. But to your point, like not being so jaded yet that you sort of 
you know, get in your own way because you because, yeah. some, you know, you it's easy to get cynical or it's easy to give up right. or, you know, that that how how perfect that you were able to kind of get the timing of. And again, I'm not saying like it's only because of the timing, but it's just it's just <laughs> lovely. It's just no. lovely to have that creativity merge with like like reasonable, you know, sort of like, well, here's like like showbiz marketing mm-hmm. evidence that it's not crazy, you know, for me yeah. to be thinking this way. I mean, that's such a great uh, formula in a way, but not but didn't necessarily appear as a formula at the time, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it's almost like, you know, the younger a gymnast is, the younger an ice skater is or, or someone skiing or snowboarding, you don't have as much fear because you don't know. So you're you're daring yeah. to try things that are more difficult. And so I definitely wasn't as afraid as I should have been knowing what I know now, but I'm glad I wasn't because it, it, it let me kind of scale a wall. Yeah. But let's and I know you got you said you got you got uh, desensitized to it. But uh, but Fox is for anybody who you know doesn't know, which is probably many people listening to this. It really is a great kind of traditional what you think of mm-hmm. when you think of going on to a lot you know you really it's very closed off it's not like you just wander on um you know it's very right. much its own little city you have to drive in through the gates um and 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 it's got you know it it's got its parking lot of any of the, the studios a hundred percent and that's saying a lot because they're all garbage but yeah i mean i, I guess paramount kind of has it figured not paramount uh, uh warner brothers kind of has it figured out mm. but um but you know, it's got the it's got the fake New York streets. And, you know, it. I think that is what people think about when they think of those kind mm-hmm. of iconic feeling of like, oh, my God, I'm on the lot. This is where movie and television magic are happening. And and I know you got desensitized. But did you have days where for whatever reason there was a pep in your step and you just kind of like separated out from the girl who had been coming into the lot for a while now and sort of have fresh eyes and go, oh, you know what? This is pretty cool. Yeah, I think occasionally, you know, and I always wore sunglasses when walking around the lot because if you spotted someone, you didn't want that moment where your eyes widen and then uh-huh. you desensitize again. <laughs> so you don't want people to know. Luckily, you don't want it's always Hugh Laurie sunny, to know so, you yeah. know he's Hugh Laurie. Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> um, absolutely. But he, I would always have a little moment walking to like get lunch and you would have to walk down New York Street. And I would just be like, wow. I, if I could just tell myself where I was going to end yes. up, if I could tell that 14, 15 year old who was like, really hating herself that you know these things that make you weird now are going to make you successful later and I've sort of had that experience with so many parts of my life even just getting to go to USC getting to be in film school that was amazing to me and that still blows my mind that that happened and then working on a lot blows my mind and then publishing a book blows my mind and getting to do what I do every single day and be paid for it. it it's crazy but I have to compartmentalize because if I did really allow it to hit um, I would I would be in the fetal position on the floor. Oh I totally get it. I totally get it. So going back to your high school experience, um, I mm. know that your your friends you felt that your friends were the bottom of the barrel, yet the brightest <laughs> of the barrel. <laughs> so the bottom and brightest of the barrel. They, I don't think they were. I think I was. Oh man. I just that's was it well, I know you you went to school with all the same people. Was it also like a small enough town that it was sort of a, was it a high school that other towns also fed into or was it sort of just no, happened to was, be sized it, so that it was just it was right for just the town? our town. Yeah. Gotcha. And it was compared to some places. I mean, it was 800 people total for the entire high school. I graduated with about 200 people, which is, I yeah. think, fair. And then yeah. I have friends who are like, oh, my high school had 5000 people in it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, right, right. And uh were there other things that I mean, you, you sort of described like the thing that I was going to ask is whether D&D ever came into play just oh, because yeah. it seems like it could have. Yeah. No. So that is what surpri- surprises people a lot when I say I've never played Dungeons and Dragons and I really haven't. And I think I would be an incredible dungeon master, but eventually like get on people's nerves and be kicked out. <laughs> because what? Because you would world build too I would much? just really get be- into it. I would really get into it. Or I'd I would be, be like, we've been at I'm it for six hours. I'm not being paid for this. <laughs> Or I would go in completely the opposite direction and be like, I get paid to do this. Why am I doing this right now? (laughs) For free. Totally. Yeah, I didn't either, even though I had so many friends who were doing it but never invited me or, you know, I just was not... I don't know that a lot of, I mean, I hate to make it about girls and boys, but I, I just feel like all my friends, and I and obviously things have changed 
um, to, you know, grade schools and, and junior high schools and high schools now. But I just, you know, that was not something that I felt that mm. girls were invited to. Like all my right. great, brilliant, nerdy boyfriends were were playing D&D and had no interest in complicating things by bringing uh, female energy in. I think yeah. that's, well, that's my strong nice suspicion. You had, that's nice. That's nice you had boyfriends. <laughs> I, I did have a lot of friends not. who were boys. I definitely had a lot of friends who were boys. Probably as many or more than 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 close girlfriends. But, you know, mm. I had, like, mom issues. And it's all, like, it feels all very kind of like you can draw a line. Yeah. 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 I didn't really, I had fr- I had close friends in middle school, high school, and we kind of drifted apart. But I really sort of found my group in college, especially towards the end of college. And we've been really lucky and that we all kind of stayed in Los Angeles and there's a good 15 of us who have lived close together, either have been neighbors or what have you, kind of, you know, very much like Seinfeld, like you'd have to lock your front door because so-and-so is going to walk in and take your milk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which Don't was you a really take my milk. Unique ex- I know, which is a unique experience after you leave college and to be living in a big city while still having sort of that new family that you've created for yourself. But I feel yeah. really lucky. To have such close friends now um, and kind of be part of a family here while my family is on the East Coast. Well, and especially during this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. That's huge, huge. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you're right. I I hadn't really thought about that, but it it makes sense in, in the regard that, you know, you when you do something like and I'm sure NYU is similar when you are attracted to a school that is also based in at the hub of whatever thing it is that you are hoping to pursue or that you're interested in um it it sort of lends itself maybe a little bit better to you know well we're now we're here we're in the location Mm -hmm. in which you know we would like for our careers to happen not by and large i mean again same with new york people who want to stay in new york i'm sure lots of people from nyu come out to 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 la and vice versa but um but it does make sense that you would get you would get to foster those friendships and then it would be like well to, to be continued because we all, you know, hopefully mm. will be working in this business, which would probably keep us here. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because only like three of my friends from film school are probably close friends of mine now. Mm. Uh, but most of us are from all over the place. You know, I was very much the one who was like, wait, you guys have to go to math class. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but my closest friends were um, like engineering and comm majors and business and pre-med. Oh, and interesting. Kind of OK, so everything yeah, I so just it was, said, it was totally wrong. I was I was the dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time I've been the dummy and been like, mm, I guess I've Sherlocked my way through this. Let me explain yes. to you how your life has worked and you're like no <laughs> actually no I need to correct you on all all fronts <laughs> right 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 I definitely had um for the maybe five to six years after I came back to LA because I moved home for a year to write a book right I was living with my um three best girlfriends from college and one of them is a biomedical engineer one of them is a, a like a computer tech designer and one of them is a, a copywriter Nice. So it was very much like there were two of us who were in the arts and two of us who were in the sciences. Yeah. It was a lovely mix of experiences and things. And we somehow still all all very much overlapped. And that's awesome. I have no idea how you do what you do. And they're like, I have no idea how you do what you do. Let's go to brunch. Yeah, exactly. There is a freshness to that. There's a relief to not like, you know, I mean, I think it's we find that in in relationships and friendships alike, I think, is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's nice when you. When you're when someone isn't in the weeds with you so deeply that you can actually kind of pull out and have like a bigger picture perspective yes. sometimes when when yes. when it's when it's a, when it's healthy to do that, you know. Right. So did right. you not? Live, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say uh, my boyfriend lives with me now and he is a he's a he's a doctor. So when I'm like, oh, man, my day today is really tough. He's like, oh, cool. Tell me about it. And I'm like, I don't want to. He's <laughs> like, because, you know, I'll put it into a, a pretty intense perspective well, if I start getting well, into medicine. It, he doesn't do it. He's very, like, good about, oh, no, no, it's all relative. It's all relative. Please. Yeah, like, this is hard for good. you. The, uh, different things are hard for me. But I'm like, I don't want to complain right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you go back to, go back to the ICU. <laughs> oh, my God. 
know. 100%. It's been a a year. It's been a tough year. You're like, I see people who play doctors uh, sometimes when I'm on a lot. Is that, Hugh Laurie, does that mean anything to you? Um, And and so did you, did you, uh, in all seriousness, like not really uh, date in high school or was that, did you sort of dabble in it, but it wasn't, yeah. Oh, I did not hard date no, in hard high no. school at all. Not not I didn't date. I mean, people didn't date me. <laughs> <laughs> Were you, I mean, was it one of those schools that sort of leaned into like cheerleading and sports or it wasn't sports? even really about that? It was just sports. Yes. And probably the least stereotypical thing about my high school was that cheerleading wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it was very, very like. I grew up in kind of a Norman Rockwell town where you can kind of predict what's going on there. Uh, We definitely had like the sexually active band geeks and those were most of my friends, even though I was not in band or on the cross country team, which is what Uh they were all part of. Uh Um, But then there was definitely, you know, popular kids. I was on a couple of sports teams, but like not in with the athletes kind of Mm. thing. Yeah. Um, I think I was a little too weird for that, but you know, I was on the team. Did you have did you have other extracurricular activities like were you part of any other clubs or anything? I say as yeah, having so been none. Our school, our school. Um, one of the actually great things our school did was we had a talent show every year, and um, getting involved on in the creative side really helped. I I was the art director and like the assistant art director the year before, and so you kind of were part of putting on this show that took almost six months to plan, and it was very much you know. The same way, like, yearbook people are obsessed with yearbook. We were very like, oh, well, we have to go plan for the show. And we'll stay until 7 p.m. or whatever. And we've definitely been kicked out of the school for snowstorms and that kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Being the art director of anything as a teenager sounds highfalutin in a way that I... (laughs) (laughs) Highfalutin, yes. It was like, I wrote skits for it. We did the backdrops for the different um, presentations. It was it was a it was a really good experience, and I think it re- looked good when I applied to colleges. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I really enjoyed doing it, and it kind of gave me a taste that oh yeah, I am good at this, and I do want to continue with this. Yeah, and when you were in high school, were you kind of world building uh, the way you are now? Like, were did you when you? I know you were creating things, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I didn't know how it like insanely detailed. Because if you loved Lord of the Rings from eleven on, oh, yeah. I mean that's a great example, right, of something that is so fastidious in the smallest little. You know, you could sort of really immerse yourself in those worlds because because they're so well developed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I definitely like tried my hand at writing terrible, terrible Lord of the Rings knockoffs and I would draw maps and family trees and all of this stuff. But what I think really developed me as a writer um, from middle school and high school was writing fan fiction. Sure. I was very, very, very active in writing fan fiction and not only did it sort of show me what I was good at in writing and what I liked writing and what I was looking for Mm. in my own creative work and from other people, but it also just gave me... um, the confidence to show my writing to someone else. Because up until then, I was very much someone who wrote, wrote, wrote and would not let anyone read it. You right, know, my mom right. would come in the room and I would I would curl over the page or over the laptop yeah. and be like, don't look at me. Um, <laughs> but fan fiction, it was kind of, you know, no stress, no risk, uh, but I could still get feedback. And I got hmm. kind of addicted to the feedback. There was nothing I loved more than, you know, submitting a chapter on fanfiction.net and going to sleep and waking up to some reviews. I just loved it. Yeah. Um, And then when I eventually went to college and it was very much workshop style for our screenwriting classes, I kind of was getting my skin together so I could deal with criticism to your face. And then when you become a published author, it's a whole nother ballgame. Yeah. But I started that training, apparently, in middle school. Yeah. With the <laughs> the trolls of fanfiction.net. Oh, my God. No kidding. Yeah, that is subjecting yourself to a specific mm-hmm. kind of uh, weird internet attack, I'm sure. Did were yeah. there? What did you have favorite? I mean, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but did, did you have sort of favorite uh, fandoms? Oh, I did. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I of must course beg I you did. to tell me some. But it was very much, I mean, that's kind of where Realmbreaker came from is... Once I had finished the Red Queen series, I had an opportunity to, to, to push a little more and to kind of go where I wanted to go. Um, it, it gave me a little more room than the average author writing another book. And so I started thinking, you know, 
who was I when I was a teenager? What was I looking for? What did I want in to read or to watch or to experience? And it was very much, well, I wanted Lord of the Rings, but I didn't want that Lord of the Rings. I wanted to be in it. I wanted a Lord of the Rings that loved me as much as I loved it. And I was felt very much excluded by that story as much as I enjoyed it. Mm. And so I did write a lot of like Lord of the Rings fan fiction and read a lot of Lord of the Rings fan fiction when I was growing up. And that got the wheels turning of, well, why don't you try and write something that expands upon that idea of this adventure and this quest and make it a little more inclusive, make it feel like something that you would have been able to do yourself. Right, right. Um, and that's where that first, this is what I want to do came from. And then from there, I started, you know, the process of asking myself questions about the story and the world. And it was very much the question of what happens when the heroes fail and who's on deck to save the world, hmm. who's the JV team yeah. um, <laughs> of the classic fantasy adventure. Yeah. And Realm Breaker grew out of, you know, my teenage self wanting to be seen in the stories I loved and then asking this very tropey question and giving it a not so tropey answer. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. We are so thrilled at your interest in attending Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's School for Heroism and Villainy. Wiggenstaff's beautiful campus boasts state-of-the-art facilities and instructors with real-world experience. We are also proud to say that our alumni have gone on to be professional heroes and villains in the most renowned kingdoms in the world. But of course, you are not applying to the main school, are you? You're applying for our sidekick and henchperson annex. You will still benefit from the school's amazing campus and you'll have a lifetime of steady employment. Of course, there's no guarantee how long that lifetime will be. Join the McElroys as they return to Dungeons & Dragons with The Adventure Zone Graduation every other Thursday on Maximum Fun or wherever podcasts are found. I love it. This is a perfect segue into playing this mash game that I like to do uh, at the end of every episode. Um, I couldn't be less worried about your ability to off the <laughs> oh, cuff no. come up with some spontaneous answers that may or may not change in an hour. But that's okay. That's the nature <laughs> of these mash games. Um let me start with a category of I mean, look, we gotta just go ahead and do this. Let's do three fictitious places and it could be okay. you know the new york of blank book or you know mm -hmm. it could be underwater as as much as it could be you know uh like being in 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 uh any any of the lands in in lord of the rings you know uh whether it's middle earth or or, or elsewhere mm. so but so three fictitious places that you can sort of dip into and you even have a that's that'll be where your mansion apartment shack or house will end up in one of these oh. three realms oh. it'll be like your second home okay um one of them would have to be narnia but not really narnia archenland the um sort of border country <laughs> I love in it. the mountains because it seems I always liked them better because it seemed like they had an actual government and like establishment of human society versus Narnia, which is four people ruling a bunch of animals. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I love it. Yes. Arch and land. Wonderful. And then I think I go with Naboo, but Great. the lake country of Naboo. Great. Very, very pretty, which is just Lake Como. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then I got a, I love the Shire as much as I'm like, oh, I couldn't wait to get out of my small town. I love the Shire. Yeah. It's so wonderful. And I've been to Hobbiton in New Zealand once and, you Me know, too. just wanted to lie on the ground and cry. I did, too. But didn't you want all of the Hobbit doors like all the Hobbit hole doors I did. to open up into full? I mean, that's a tough one. You're like in so mm. many ways, it's such a realization of a fantasy to be able to be there. But your your expectation then becomes I, you can tell me a million times that this is the exterior setting. Uh, but I still expect to like look through the window and right. see a fully furnished house pros like possibly with a Hobbit <laughs> in it, you know, <laughs> literally really unwatchable with your head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, wonderful. The Shire. I love it. Okay, next category. Let's do three artists. It could be painter, sculptor, author, singer, uh, whatever you want. But three artists, living or dead, that uh, you could collaborate on something with. Ooh, collaborate. I'd love to, like, write a book that is accompanied by a Florence and the Machine album. Ooh, I love that answer. Hmm. 
And then I would love for, well, I'm currently working with this person, so I can't say their name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll, 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 I'll sidestep. I'll say I would love for Guillermo del Toro to direct Realm Breaker. Okay. And then I would love for Alan Lee to illustrate Realm Breaker. Um, Wonderful. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, Next category, let's do three movies that you can jump into whenever you want uh, for as little or as long as you want. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So like my first, I don't want to go to my favorite movies because that's going to like be hard on my life. Um, (laughs) Like I don't want to live in Gladiator's Ancient Rome. Fair. Fair. Or I don't want to live in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's World War II. That's true. true. (laughs) Stressful. Yes, it is stressful. Oh, God. What world would I want? Well, I guess I would want to, like, jump into Lord of the Rings and be part of the fellowship and, like, belong. I want to be the 10th walker. Love it. I want to be, like, the girl who can keep up. Hell yeah. That's absolutely one. And, oh, I definitely want to, like, be an Avenger and belong in the Avengers. Agreed. Wonderful. Who doesn't want that? Ugh, the best. And... I don't want to be Wonder Woman because she is her own self and I could never live up to it. But I think Themyscira, the Amazon island, oh, sure. would be really cool. Uh, beautiful. All right. Next category, uh, three romances that you will have, uh, they would like to have in our alternate universe mash world oh, that we're so creating like, here. Could do you be... want like a romance trope or do you want like a person? Oh, that's a great question. Great question. <laughs> um, I kind of want both now. I feel like one okay. category is romance trope and then the other and then the next <laughs> list will be three people because it can be characters, you know, actors, people, celebrities, living, dead, whoever you want, uh, animals. I don't care. Um, so uh, does that make sense? Can you do you yeah. can you answer the I three would, tropes? I'd love this. Well, the first one that comes to mind, and this is always the best one, is enemies to lovers. Great. Um, great, great, great. And I think I think you go enemies to lovers with Loki. For sure. Okay, I'm gonna put For him sure. down here. It's this is gonna be this is an unprecedented uh, mash oh technique. I'm now using you're here. now I'm now I'm on the spot trying to remember because it's tropes. possible because if I did this in the original mash mash way, it's possible you would end up with Loki, but not as an enemy or lover because oh, it becomes weird. one of those like who knows which thing you'll get. Um, but I like the idea of keeping them yeah. grouped. So continue. So you go with. I think then you would do like childhood childhood friends to like strangers to romance with yeah. oh my god i can't believe i'm going marvel again captain america because that makes more sense of childhood friends thing like you grew up with him in brooklyn in the oh, 1920s yeah. and then you got frozen somehow too oh no i love it, I love it. <laughs> or oh wait That's you're great. immortal hello yeah great and then oh these are all bad guys <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute they are I mean, listen, Cap uh, is No, no, no. I'm, I was thinking of oh, another the, one. Like your groups, your possibilities? Yeah. I, I feel we. it's always strange, too, to like pair yourself up with a fictional person. It feels it feels weird. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I, ha- I, I have to go with. Oh, my God. I'm looking at my shelf. That's always a oh, good fallback. Mm, I would want to like be an ally of Rob Stark's so I could tell him to listen to his mother and not trust the fucking phrase oh my god okay wait so rob stark is at the bottom yes uh, and then you are basically you you fall in love but it's through the process of like trying to warn him off and like communicate. well i would imagine myself as like similar to the mormons who are for full of warrior ladies like you're yeah. a gal on the yes. war council yes great and you're begrudging allies Begrudging allies, I love it. I absolutely love it. Anything that is as many descriptors as possible, I am always on board for. I love an adjective. Begrudging allies, brilliant. Okay, next category. I loved your answer so much about uh, the book and having an album that accompanies it. So let's do um, this kind of similar. This is like Victoria's life as accompanied by this sort of um, specialized album that heretofore does not exist but that's sort Mm. of like you know a band or a composer three that sort of give you this this soundtrack that accompanies you uh when you want it to okay um fleetwood mac great with an emphasis on stevie nicks and um christine mcvee of course great (laughs) abba (laughs) fantastic and 
trying to think of something a little more modern. I love that, like, the first thing that popped into my mind was just you at the grocery store and just hearing, like, the <laughs> chorus of the beautiful voices of Ava being like, yeah, gotta get right? two oranges. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd go, oh, God, I gotta go Bruce Springsteen. Gorgeous. Great. Okay. Uh, okay. Two more categories. Uh, second to last is, uh, let's do three alternate universe shops that you own and you don't have to be the shopkeeper so it's not like you're glued there but it's like you have it could be a bakery floral shop could be a computer repair store i don't know but three shops that you also in addition to everything else you have going on you happen to be the proprietor of so it provides this this good or service to uh people i feel like it would be i'd be like really high in demand and like very well respected if i was like an expert in valerian steel (laughs) <laughs> wonderful wonderful in game of thrones i love it yes beautiful and you would mm-hmm. and then if it was harry potter i would go with a bookstore owner but a rare books owner oh, because great. you know they're a lot of their power comes from knowledge found in books yes gorgeous that's, that's the beauty of hermione she made me feel better as as a dorky. Teen, oh my gosh, I bet. Put her hand down. What a character! Oh, totally. I know. I was kind of. I was total Hermione. Hermione to you, like just having been, you know, told by yeah. my parents were teachers. So of course, it, mm, it's mine like, too. Both my parents. Oh, are nice. school teachers. Oh my god. So do you have the same? I have like a lot of latent guilt that I didn't become a teacher or do something, and especially oh, god, like, your no. boyfriend's a doctor. I have a feeling of like, oh, I should have. I should be like more one-on-one changing kids' lives. Like, Absolutely that's such an not. <laughs> I was the complete opposite. I saw like how hard they worked and how little money they got. You were paid, like, oh hell like, no, never. <laughs> Good for you. I gotta shed this guilt. I gotta get rid of it somehow. Yep. And now they're retired in Florida. <sighs> as all t- where all teachers go. <laughs> yeah, all from the East Coast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, great. So we have Valerian Steel, uh, master expert, uh, shop owner. We have Rare Books owner. Uh, what's your number three? I think I would own like a wonderful fashion boutique in Paris during the Gilded Age. Oh, well, wonderful. now I'm just going historically. <laughs> I love it. I or love or it. I could be, you know, a contemporary of Chanel, and when she tries to sell off her or, or to set, sell out her Jewish co-owners to the Nazis, I could help step that in. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wrote fashion Paris boutique Gilded Age, but I can cross it out and turn it into Chanel's era if you would prefer. <laughs> no, you're fine. Chanel's rival. <laughs> Chanel's rival. Um, okay. Last uh, last category, three real-life skills that uh, I can sort of bestow upon you. You could wake up okay. with tomorrow and you sort of download it at Matrix style. I thought you were going to say three real-life skills you have, and I was about to panic. Um, <laughs> Not to I worry! Think it, uh, it would be really, really helpful if I was, like, a runner and enjoyed running. Because right. I don't, and I never will. <laughs> Same with... I mean, I do very, very bad yoga, and I like it a lot, but I think it'd be cool if I could, like, just jump into a handstand. Sometimes Beautiful. they do that, and yes. you're like, what's happening? Oh, my God. What, how does your body do that? Indeed. Um, and then I would love to be able to speak every language and understand it. Great, great. Okay. Uh, now, could you give me the adjective that sort of describes your mood when you woke up this morning? I woke up a little late this morning. I was just kind of excited because my schedule has a few breaks in it as uh compared to the last like month so i'm really excited to really get dig into my writing again yeah i gotta get i'm gonna i gotta get you out of here listen i really enjoy my work and my job (laughs) and i'm one of the few people who doesn't get the sunday scaries because i'm excited i don't work on the weekend so i'm excited for work on mondays and to get to write because i'm drafting the second realm breaker book right now and that's a really fun time okay i'm um, putting excited in that i'm putting excited okay uh uh, can you please, as I start my process, my eeny meeny process, so that I could get you these uh, final answers for your alternate universe, 100% guaranteed mash life. Uh, okay. Could you um, just reiterate for people uh, the book series, the new book, um, and where they can get it, what they're called, how to follow you, find you, all that great cool. stuff. I am Victoria Aveyard. I am the author of the Red Queen series, and I am also the author of the upcoming new YA fantasy series, Realm Breaker. The first book comes out on May 4th, and 
Realmbreaker is a story about what happens when the heroes fail and a teenage girl is forced to become the one to save the world alongside a band of ragtag misfits and criminals who are definitely not heroes but have to rise to the heroic occasion. You can find me on Twitter at Victoria Aveyard or on Instagram at Victoria Aveyard or on TikTok at at Victoria Aveyard. My website is www.victoriaaveyard.com. I am still working, but I also want to say, uh, oh God, I just sound like such an old lady. I just can't. I, <laughs> so I I love my work as well, and I it just takes me so long to make TikTok. I like I just couldn't. I joined TikTok and I, was I like, know this is oh my God. this is just it, a thing I don't have time for. Like if someone else wants I to do got, it for me and I can sign off right. on stuff, great. I got lucky in that I kind of got into it a few months ago and I genuinely like it to the point where it will, the app will literally tell me, stop scrolling. You've been on TikTok too long. Um, and Good then you. when you actually get into the <laughs> nitty gritty of like really editing, that's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes you can do it in like 20 seconds or <sighs> a minute or two, post Lovely. it and you'll get a couple thousand views. Or then sometimes you'll post something that you think is stupid and it'll get a hundred thousand views and you're like, I don't know how this works. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's, that does reassure me somehow. <laughs> but it is weirdly, weirdly, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, at first it was Twitter, then it was Instagram and now it's TikTok. Social media is a surprisingly huge part of my job. Uh, yeah. And it really is because I write YA. I write for teenagers first and foremost. Sure. And so you kind of have to follow them onto different platforms. I know. I know. The New York Times just had a whole thing about book talk and how um, it makes best I saw that. And it was I saw really that. That was a of... really fun thing to see. I was uh, That it really was made cool. me, I was like, maybe I need to get back into TikTok. This is like intellectual as hell. I'm so excited. It's a really <laughs> cool um, community. But then you also find other little corners of TikTok. The algorithm is freaky. The things I get, yeah. I'm like, wow, how the hell did it know I wanted to see that recipe? or that DIY thing. I get a lot of, it's not just young. I'll say that. It's not just dances and young things. Those kind of filter out very, very quickly when it's clear you don't care about them. Right, right, right. Oh, all right. I have a lot to think about. (laughs) But Um, don't feel pressured. It doesn't work if you don't genuinely like it. No, that's also actually very reassuring as well. Um, it could listen. It could be a new phase of my life that it's, I'm just not, I haven't entered into yet, but that that will naturally (laughs) develop. Um, Speaking of naturally developing, I just want to say this has developed into some great results. I feel very good about the things that you have ended up with in your MASH game. I want to first congratulate you for your ability to... Well, listen, this makes sense because you can jump into Lord of the Rings whenever you want and be with those characters and you have a beautiful little hobbit hole. It's, I mean, it's it's a house. You you didn't get mansion, (laughs) apartment, or shack, but you have a, a, a little house in the Shire. Um, and so not only can you jump into the movie, but you can also call the Shire home, which is nice because then you can just go take a nap when your adventures, mm-hmm. you know, have or like have a really snoozy. good meal or have a really good meal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also I don't know. Listen, maybe this doesn't fit in as well uh, with your vacation home, um, but I am <laughs> excited to see ABBA accompanying you in song. Uh, the many places that you go here, or you know what? Let's throw them into the Shire too. What do we care? We're gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be magical and wonderful. So you have your own ABBA soundtrack of original music created for you, uh, based on your life and experiences. Uh, so that is fantastic. Congratulations on that. I want to uh, congratulate you also on your side business as a rare bookshop owner. Um, in the kind of Harry Potter world, uh, I think that's going to be amazing. And, you know, listen, anytime you have that sort of knowledge and that kind of acumen, it's going to come in handy everywhere else as well. So I don't know if that's um, where you, I mean, listen, yoga is pretty hands-on, so you probably didn't learn how to be a yogi <laughs> via a book, but certainly you are a perfect yoga slash yogi. I mean, listen, you can do it all. You can jump right into a headstand whenever you want to. Uh, and perhaps... Uh, you need this skill to very dramatically attract the attention of your ally, your begrudging ally, and vice versa, your soon-to-be romance, Mr. Rob Stark. Ooh. 
who you save from death, possibly through yoga uh, <laughs> or possibly through <laughs> some ancient knowledge gleaned from some of your amazing rare books from your shop. Um, but certainly that is the romance that's headed your way. I think he'll fit in. You know, he's a pretty short guy. So I think uh, he will fit in very nicely in the Shire as well. And he will get along with all the characters from Lord of the Rings. So I think it's a great fit. Um and uh, that just leaves us with Alan Lee. Uh, in we listen, this you know this is this is ideal, right? We get the the the, the illustrate illustrated realm breaker uh, through Mister Lee, and I would absolutely love to see that. So everyone would benefit, and that, my new friend, is your mash alternate universe. Not bad. <gasps> this has been so much fun, Victoria. I will let you get back to work. I love that you love what you do. And uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I am so excited for everybody to check out the new book. And I guess that's it. I want everyone to stay safe. And I will talk to you next time on the podcast and possibly TikTok someday in the future. But let's not count on it anytime soon. show is recorded by me and edited by julian burrell and as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.